Hey, everybody. Welcome to ThinkPod. And the human element. Whoa. I know. marketing services for IBM IX. I'm Robert Schwartz, CMO of Kara. This is a really special treat for our loyal listeners. <laughs> All six of them. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> so to those listeners who are not loyal to us for long periods of time, shame on you. Could, could, could we just call them new listeners? <laughs> <laughs> That's too nice. <laughs> <laughs> to all our new French listeners, yeah, I we used to do this together uh, when I was at IBM. Before you left me, and that was a fantastic uh, experience, lots and lots of fun, and but not um, enough fun. No, and so we decided to do it again. Woo! We're we're doing the first ever crossover ThinkPod Human Element SuperPod in France. In fr- well, and where where else would worlds collide? It took us like a million hours of travel in order to do this together when we are on the same small island all the time. That is an excellent point that yeah. we had to travel halfway around the world. To be honest, that is the name of the game at can. Like half the meetings you have here, you could have had in New York. But you don't. And I guess what does that mean about the meetings that you're having? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to this on the human element, you are listening to a wrap-up pod of all things Can Lion with Sarah Stringer and Alexis Brezzi. Yes. I got that right? You did. You didn't, so... And uh, Robert Schwartz and Amanda Thurston. <laughs> um, so, if you're listening to me on ThinkPod, you are listening to Christian Tom, who's the SVP. I got to breathe here of Strategic Client Partnerships, Global Advertising Sales at Group Nine Media. He's fantastic, by the way. Nice. And a little bit of sort of tomfoolery that I throw in along the way. Yeah, you're there for the ride, it, as usual. <laughs> Uh, so how's your can been? Uh, well, so far it's not very long, but it's been good. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before in the old days. It is, I have a deep love hate with this, with this conference. I celebrate the spirit of what it seeks to do around achievement and creativity. And, and we are 100% uh, an industry of ideas, but it is also chock full of a bunch of the stuff that makes us good fodder for being made fun of as an industry. And yeah. we don't have any limit in that. It matters more than ever, and yet there are lots of ways for it to be made trivial. Uh, So those two things are conflicting, but I think they're true at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel anyone scaling back. One thing I will say is it kind of feels like we ran out of topics. I mean, content is having a resurgence. And we're yeah, we've been talking about storytelling, but like with the OTTs and everything going on with the way advertising is changing, like it's a valid conversation to be having is how are people consuming differently and what are the mediums through which they can do it. But at the same time, it does feel like we're kind of reaching if we're going back to... I, I think this is the can of privacy implications, political implications of that, and a whole sundry list of kind of regulatory stuff, uh, which isn't very sexy as a creativity conference, but I think it's really top of mind for... Not just agencies, not just clients, but also digital platforms. I was in the Palais today, and I walked into a discussion about menstruation. It was in the context of period, end of sentence, the film that won the Oscar this year. But I do think 
historically, we've pushed the envelope a little bit, and there have been a lot of conversations about gender inequality. And last year, I think that was the banner discussion at large. Um, but I think people are getting more provocative with it and actually digging into topics and women's rights and equality, especially in the United States. Still lots of platforms. There have been no platforms eliminated. We still have them all. I walked more. past every single platform boat this morning. It was it was funny. Gang's all here. Gang's all here. Look, I, I don't think can's going to change until we have a material economic decline, which will happen, right? And, and when that happens, the loom escape will change, the money will change, and, and we'll see a dramatically reshaped can. And then we'll really get a sense of where the industry is going to go in terms of winners and losers in a bunch of different categories. The platforms that will survive, the agencies that will either you know survive or further consolidate, mm-hmm. um, and how the consulting companies will emerge. Definitely. So we are going to give you a plethora of choices, an embarrassment of riches, so to speak. If you listen to the human element, make sure you check in and listen to our can wrap up featuring uh, Alex and Sarah and Amanda. We cover all things pet peeve, wonderful and enlightening here in France. And if you're listening on ThinkPod, we just finished a conversation with Christian Tom of Group Nine and. Robert Schwartz of Kara, and uh, we talk about, oh gosh, we talk about politics. So if that interests you, uh, go for it. If it doesn't interest you, we also talk about social platforms and lots of fun topics du jour in the industry. And most importantly, if you're interested in what happens on the other one, please go check it out. Yeah, cross-pollination is okay. So listen to ThinkPod. And listen to The Human Element. Thanks so much. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Human Element, Kara's podcast on modern marketing. I have an illustrious audience. I'm so excited for this. It's going to be fun until we get kicked out and that big, heavy door clangs. So let us jump in. I'll intro uh, everybody. I am joined by Alex Brezzi. Did I get that right? Uh, technically Brezzi, but I'll, Brezzi. I'll go with Brezzi. I'll do yeah, it. It's fine. I'm terrible. Uh, no, it's fine. It's absolutely Everyone the worst. Calls me Brezzi, and so and your title, please, because I'm going to get that wrong too. Totally fine. I'm an associate director of strategy in based in New York. Fantastic. And you are here because you sort of semi want, you got selected somehow, right? I did. I very kindly had Haley pass my SVP yeah. strategy, nominate me to represent Detsu Aegis at the Khan Young Lions School. That's so, awesome. Which is awesome. So I'm one of 33 people globally to represent the Media Academy. All right. So at least there's one person in the room who's like actually doing can things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also embrace that Young Lions title as long as you can. <laughs> I'm like, I've got a very short period of time for which I can claim under 30 left. So we've got a maximum. All right. Like, we'll fit it in. We'll fit it in. Also, Sarah Stringer, who is our head of innovation in the US, who is a, was this four or I- five? Five? I think this is four. I okay. think this is four. At five, you get a jacket. Yes. Good. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's wait. like a blazer like <laughs> SNL. And uh, a special, special guest. I am so thrilled to be joined by one of my dear friends and someone who had the misfortune of working for me, Amanda Thurston, who is the leader of marketing services at IBM IX, which is my former home. So welcome. Hi. We just we are actually doing the second half of Pod Crossover. Yeah, we've been together for a while. It's going to get punchy. Uh, it was punchy to start. <laughs> Um, all right, let's jump in. This is officially a can wrap. So I'm gonna this is a wide open, toss it out there. What what do we see that's interesting? We've been here, I don't know, 48 hours. Anything strike you? It's got bloody hot all of a sudden. Yesterday was great. <laughs> Today is sweltering. It's 
horrible. There is a lot of conversation around combining media and creative back together. So I feel like Turf Wars is officially begun around <laughs> who owns what going forward. I mean, it's been happening for a few years now and everyone's like, data can't inform creativity. It's going to stifle it. And now everyone's come around to that. And I think now it's yeah. Turf Wars. I totally agree with that. It's Turf Wars inside holding companies. <laughs> like, so we, we've long had, you know, the, the tank warfare of holding company versus holding company, mm -hmm. but now we have this added dimension of civil war. But not you. You're not speaking from personal experience. No, 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 no. I, I just, I mean, we, we actually are, are somewhat fortunate in that we do not have multiple global creative networks, um, which is going to be an interesting thing for other different uh, holding companies to resolve. But it's going to be, look, it'll be fascinating to watch. So, Alex, from your perspective, you've been fortunate to sort of participate in this can lion young lion program mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what it's been like it's been a really interesting two days a bit of a baptism by fire but that's always the best way to learn it's essentially like going back to school a little bit we have 8:30 to 5 ish every day locked in with a couple of breaks obviously but yeah. They've brought a lot of the speakers from the Palais and other, like, in-house. So we've gotten some time with people from publishers, people from different holding groups, and also some clients as well, a few C-suites, which have been amazing for exposure. Yeah, that's great. So it's been a really great opportunity just to learn completely outside of my day-to-day -day and also just meeting heaps of other people from different a, countries in the first place, um, but B, even different holding groups, which may seem a little controversial, but to hear everyone else's way of life and way of doing things is really interesting. No, I think that's one of the things that's always cool about Ken, mm. is that people come together and even if you're from different companies mm. or you're from completely different industries, you sing Kumbaya at the Carlton. Yeah, and exactly. like <laughs> It is a very bonding experience. When is that? It's like 4.15... <laughs> Uh, no, I think by then you're at the gutter. <laughs> That's but, true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but it is. So the conversation here is incredible. Mm. And just the exchange of ideas is always shocking to me. Well, everyone's in just such a happier mood. I mean, obviously it's sunshine and rosé, which always helps. But I feel like you never get the opportunity to have this many people who can actually make decisions in a business together yeah. and actually taking the time out to actually have a conversation about making change. So it's interesting speaking to like publishers who are like, sometimes it can be hard to qualify why we would rent a yacht and why we'd spend all that money. But they were like, the conversations we have here come to fruition like six to 12 months later mm. where we actually step forward the business. So as much as it is a little bit of a schmooze fest and sometimes it feels a little bit like schmoozy schmoozy, the reality is that the, the actual work that gets done here does actually lead to change in the agency land. So. so, Amanda, from your perspective, you spoke today. Yeah. I did. What, it was my first time. I know, congratulations. It's very official. What was that about, A? And what was the kind of feedback, if, if anything, from the audience around the topic? talking about the intersection of AI and creativity. Never heard of it. And how we should make marketing better using AI. It's well received. I mean, I think to your point earlier that this intersection of data and creativity is something that people really want to talk about now. And there was quite a number of people that were there and ready and willing to talk about it, which is always astonishing to me. I think we're seeing that happen more. People are getting more comfortable with it, maybe because they have to. But I talked about an example of work that we did with Alexis where we actually used CanLine award data to build a script for Lexus for an advertisement. 
So they used 15 years of automotive and luxury data to say what were the criteria through which these were good advertisements. Mm. And then they had an Oscar award-winning director actually bring it to life and make human decisions alongside that. And I think that's a really, not just because it's our example and I you know, have to tout IBM, but I think it's an incredible example of how creativity and AI can work together and how it needs to work together. And if we're just making decisions in the dark and we don't understand human emotion and we're not using the information that we have from humans about how they want to be engaged, then we're not only failing in business decision-making, but we're failing our consumers. Yeah, I, look, I think one of the important things about IBM's position in this space, and, and in my opinion, they get a lot of credit, and I say that, not just as a former IBMer, is their approach to AI has always been, it is an amplification uh, and an augmentation of human talent and human skill. And I think in our space, it is opening up the aperture and the scale of what can happen creatively that is most exciting to me of the of the sort of joining together of AI and creativity. And that that while that conversation is not new at can. I think we are all still hungry for like the examples you just mentioned and how we do that in a way that maximizes the human talent we have in the industry and takes advantage of the technology. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this all the time with I mean, my clients are chief marketing officers and they're struggling with two things, I would say. One is, well, they want to get started with AI because they feel like they have to and they have a board of directors that's there saying, we have to use data, so how do we do it? And they're not necessarily thinking about okay, well, what are the problems that I have to solve that data would help me with? And I think the most important thing is that you're not using AI for AI's sake, and maybe our Watson friends wouldn't want to hear me say that, but they would. You know, I think you have to get started in a way. I love it when you self-rationalize in the moment. No, but they would. They would, because we believe that, you know, AI should be there to help solve problems. The other thing I think that's become really interesting is, especially with chatbots, there's such an enormous opportunity for creatives. And, like, we need more creatives to be involved in technology companies because, the brand voice opportunity for something like a chatbot is huge. And if you don't have somebody who grew up in the liberal arts and understands how to how people interact with words, you're not going to get the right brand narrative in that chatbot. And so to, to rely on technologists or... I was a data scientist, so I'm going to say this, uh, data scientists to make those decisions, like you're going to get something that no one wants to engage with. So Sarah, anything surprise you so far? Anything kind of hit you like, huh? I mean, just to, I just want to build quickly Please, on that go ahead. point, if that's okay. Because we just had a very similar conversation actually at the Down Beach House around AI and creativity. And awesome. they just announced a new intelligence unit partnership with uh, Google around like how they're using AI to help inform creative as well. That definitely feels like a hot ticket item yes. right now. Everyone's talking about how AI can be the, your new team member and so forth, which is very helpful. My biggest concern with that is that it obviously ingests past data. And obviously with that, when we're talking about past data creativity, it means that we're also taking on board all of the stereotypical creative that has been put, been put forward in the industry for years. And essentially you look at things like the beauty industry, yeah. and if the beauty industry ingested the thousands of ads that have come previously, then what we would have is a whole load of maybe blonde white women who are still putting on makeup with right. a wind machine blowing and that would be the thing that says it's going to convert. But yeah. it's because all the past data would show that that's, that's the sample size and where it's yep. coming from. Yep. Again, to your point around and supporting point around why you need humans to still be moving the creative story forward is that it needs to be then reflective of what's happening in culture and what is the right thing to do to move everything along. Yeah. Because otherwise you just end up with 
a whole load of stereotypes that will just continue to be built upon and reinforced through creative that is informed by AI versus us actually saying, well, you know what, Fenty Beauty moved forward by actually making sure there was a foundation color in every single person's skin range and celebrating the fact that both men and women can wear makeup. And I think it's important that we'd use that like data point as kind of like the jumping off point and that the creativity of like moving culture forward is very important. Alex, one of the things that interests me the most is when people come to their first can. What were your sort of preconceived notions going in? Were there anything that you were still like, huh, I'm wondering about this? And what what about it has either, you know, dispelled those notions or sort of reinforced those notions? I mean, I've been following can for like six and a half years now since I was like an assistant. You're doing reporting <laughs> while you're on the ground while you guys are all having a lovely rosé here. Um, so I've, I've been following it for a really long time and following There's the... There's no bitterness in that. No. no. Seriously. I've been Not watching you guys drink on a yacht for years now. Hey, yeah. It's my time now, so yes. it's fine. This I'm, is great. I'm, I am willing to hand off the baton, I can tell you we'll, that. We'll, we'll, I'll do it with enthusiasm. But um, I think the interesting thing after covering it for so long and actually being here and especially looking at the program for the rest of the week is that a lot of the topics that we've seen for the last few years like purpose, like equality, like diversity, sustainability are still the key topics. So while those for me, like being here, I go, oh, actually we've been hearing about this for a while. But then you actually get into the talks and I actually saw that I think same Google presentation yesterday, for example, and it was actually the little nuggets that you probably don't get reported in the trade press that ended up being so valuable and me hastily writing notes and scribbling them down. Yeah, I I think as an industry, we often report our progress and our outcomes through anecdotes verbally communicated Mm -hmm. by presentation Mm -hmm. as opposed to written form. It's one of the things I think makes understanding what progress we are making, if any, on some of these topics, let's take diversity for a moment, uh, hard to figure out. Mm. Um, because you know it is super opaque. You know, obviously, there's some markets like the UK that you know they come out with a pay equality update, but lots of markets don't. And it's, so it's really hard to know. We know there's still issues, and we know when we get in a room, sometimes we're like, we're not getting there. Mm. But you do hear, you know, uh, those moments and those anecdotes through those kind of stories. And you know, one of my favorites, obviously, is is the work that one of our our big clients is is requiring of our relationship with them, where we are literally in lockstep driving diversity across both teams. But you don't get that day in, day out, you get a lot of, it's a problem, it's a problem, it's a problem. It is a problem, um, but without those anecdotes, it's hard to kind of know where we stand. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, to your point about progress and, and being able to see that when you do get, I mean, even looking at the glass line was only introduced like two years ago, I yeah. think. So there have been so many examples of purpose-driven marketing over that time, mm-hmm. yeah. many better than others, to be frank. I mean, but that's also been a big discussion. Well, because many not, actually happened and as exactly. opposed to those that didn't. Well, because there's a lot of brands <laughs> that shouldn't be doing purpose. Yeah, this yeah, has been sure. a big thing, I mean, to that point about not every brand should necessarily need AI unless it's right for their challenge. Yeah. Not every brand needs to do purpose if you don't have an entrenched perspective and standing in that purpose. It's not authentic. Wait, you mean people exactly. don't like tokenism? Oh, I know, crazy. <laughs> I know. So, uh, Amanda, my friend, yeah. uh, this question has your name. We're going to go around the horn here real quick, but this has your name written all over it to go first. Okay. Biggest pet peeve about can? <sighs> Getting here. That's a really good. Is that, that a cop out? I feel like no, that's a cop out. I don't think that's a cop out. Really? I think. I well, think honestly, he's on family. To get me to do something I shouldn't do. No, no, so, no. Um, on Family Feud, that is number two. Ding! It's number two. It's not the top answer, <laughs> but with like twenty-one percent okay. getting here. All right, we're so. gonna be. I'm gonna be totally honest. I have a lot of 
food eccentricities. <laughs> Being dairy intolerant and gluten intolerant in this country is oh, yeah. like, good Lord, is it 1970? Can we figure out how to have almond milk or some sort of... I would even Here take soy, but like, nope, nowhere. Can't find it. Sarah, your perspective, biggest pet peeve. Okay, this is a big one. It's an ongoing pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Can scam. Just the whole like, oh, I'm going to enter something into an award that has run in two small regional mags and uh, one tiny cable channel yep. at two o'clock in the morning. Yep. And now I'm allowed to enter an award for it. Yeah. It drives me insane. I think that I know that this is a festival of creativity. Yep. It's creative how you can scam that much. Yep. I would personally like to see more based on effectiveness. And I know that's the media agency probably like Debbie Downer in me, but I would actually like to see creativity that drives results yeah. and moves things along rather than having something that someone thought was going to be great for their portfolio, but actually has yeah. offered nothing to the people that it was meant to appeal to and also the brand who was paid handsomely for it. Yeah, look, I think you're exactly right. What the organizers would say is that's the Effie's. Right, that's what they'd say. Yeah, uh, I, and I, I don't think that's fair, but that's what they'd say. Yeah, I, I do think you have a great point around this idea of scale. You can't just you know run it in one billboard in Bali and then say this is a global kit. That's not a global totally. kit. And why we haven't fully shut down some of the loopholes in this, I don't understand. And I understand, like, you know, you look at, you know, awards that have done incredibly well, like, you know, Nike and Colin Kaepernick's, you know, yeah. example. And that's, it used simple media, but the impact around it was so amazing. And I think that the, it was the organic reach and talkability that drove that campaign. I'm sure they probably didn't spend like a ridiculous amount of money in comparison to what no, other people didn't. have spent in market to have the impact. But that was impactful. Again, that moved, that literally moved stock price. Yep. That caused people to burn their products. Like that caused a wave of reaction. <laughs> and didn't. for me, there's something around like that was an effective campaign because it drove something for them. But it's this idea that you can run something that actually didn't do anything, yet people are still willing to reward it. I just don't think that's fair. I don't think that is a creativity that we should be... It doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money, but I do think it should offer some sort of change. Yeah. And to build on that too, that it's like analysing something like customer lifetime value as opposed to like a short-term sales result, which is all good and well, but like from a long-term effectiveness. Yeah. But it's, it's so interesting. We so often measure success based on a very short-term stint and that does nothing for like long-term favourability and, and harder brand metrics as well. I mean, I'm with you. I think... It's a little daunting, especially in current climate, for brands to be rewarded for behavior that incites conflict. And it's very easy, you know, in platforms to do this, but to create benefit for your business by allowing people to be poorly behaved. And, and so to your point around, I love the lifetime value. I think that's so much more important than ROI and the way we measure our marketing. And I, I hope that CMOs start to pick up on that and really embrace lifetime value. And I mean, conversely, that it's also just part of the partnership too, because sometimes as media, we don't get access to that kind of data too. So it's figuring out the way as a media agency to, yeah, sure. to help have that conversation with clients too, because I completely yeah. understand that. That's not having a long-term relationship with a client. Yeah, exactly. Like actually being there for a while to be able to move that forward. I guess the, the system by nature of pitching and chopping and changing every few years also then limits your ongoing knowledge and growth of a brand that way. Look, there are times to move, right? There are absolutely times to move. But if you look at a lot of the great 
sort of formative partnerships in the industry, they are lengthy partnerships, right? So whether it's Ogilvy and IBM or whether it's Wyden and Nike or whether, I mean, these are, these are relationships long held. And I still think that that's important. It waxes and wanes, you know, client tenure waxes and wanes, but I, I feel like we're, we've calmed down a little bit from maybe 24, 36 months ago. Yeah, exactly. uh, okay, uh, Alex, real quick, uh, your pet peeve. My pet peeve, uh, I think on a very like basic level, just the length of time it takes to get from one building to another on the closet. <laughs> you um, need scooters. Pardon? I know, I need Oh, like, that's a of, great idea. Of a bunch of drunk, creative advertising people on scooters I mean, at four in the morning. That is true. And look how that's gone, right? We've had, you yeah. know. Absolutely no injuries whatsoever. Yeah, none. <laughs> so, right, right. so, last question, then we're going to get into the lightning round. For people that are in the industry, but they're not here. And obviously there's loads of them, right? There's loads just within our organization, certainly within within the IX organization. What are the one or two things that you'd tell them about, about what you've heard? So, so far, I think the biggest thing for me, and it seems so foundational, but is just focus seems to be the biggest thing. And it comes back to what we were talking about before, whether your brand has the right to play in a space and has the right challenges for that. But even like at this Google talk yesterday, they were talking about the top performing ads of the top performing ads, only 32% had more than two objectives. So the need for singular focus is probably the like the biggest takeout for me. That's a great, so that's a great point. So many briefs have you know 15 KPIs at yeah, the bottom, right. and you're like, what in the world? The old engaged awareness. Yeah. That's my <laughs> personal favorite. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a long-standing one. Don't don't name clients on that one. No, we'll, no, we'll protect I'll, the this, innocent. This, trans, this transcends <laughs> countries, everything. Right. Yeah. The, the, it is a global. This is a global, global phenomenon. DNA exactly. But my a personal favorite. I think creativity and media. I know that obviously it's meant mm. to be creativity and creative, but I think a consistent theme that's come out from conversations I've been having with partners is actually understanding format nuances and actually building out an experience that adds value yeah. to a person's experience versus it being a interruptive experience. So I've heard consistently an idea of moving away from an interruptive ad experience and what does an additive experience look like. Yeah. So conversations I've had with big OTT services or like, like game developers has really been about how do brands actually complement what is happening so we become a positive experience that people seek out yep. versus actively be annoyed by. So I'm very excited about how we creatively go back to our respective agencies and teams and actually say, based on everything we know about the experience and this platform, how could we turn this into a positive user experience when you're actually in it? And then how do we add something to it through advertising. So it's really taking off the guardrails of what we've currently seen around, well, these are the assets you need based on what this platform actually currently allows for. And how do you flip that and actually throw that away and do something brand new? Ms. Thurston. Sarah brought this up earlier, which is that so much of what happens here is conversation and connectivity. And I've heard too many a CMO who argue that they need to have ROI out of this event and and that we're only going to allow people to come if they have a, a purpose, right? That they're here with a client or that they're... And I fundamentally don't think that's what this event is about. And I think, so for those who are home, like building the business case for being here, that is, especially if this is your first time and you're coming as a young lion, like those are the people that we should be investing in coming here and building their network within the industry. There is a 
there's a war on talent. And so giving them a voice in our industry is really important, not only for, for their careers, but I think for our brands individually and, and making sure that we have the right talent pipelines within our organizations. So do what you have to do to, to figure out a way in because it's really powerful to be here, especially if you're junior. Don't just think it's your top executives that get to come. Like you can build a business case. And the second thing I would say to the people in my organization is like, we do matter in this space. And I think that there's still question with the consultancies, especially, you know, we have the Watson advertising space here and, and it's always a question as to whether or not tech and big data should be in the conversation with creativity. And I think we have proven that 10 times over here this year, that that's what people want to talk about. And they, when I start conversations, people come to me and ask about Watson. They ask about how to use their data better and, and they want to know and they want us to help them with that. And I think that that's really powerful for a brand that sometimes is seen as as an invader in a space. You know, I agree with both those points. I mean, not all things can be accomplished through lead form. The second thing is is a great point. And, and look, there are more natural relationships to the agency community by the digital platforms, which are also competitors of yours, in some cases on the AI front. And so they are they take up a, a disproportionate amount of mind share. So for you guys, it's important to to be in that fight. All right, we have made it to the lightning round. Get excited. Here we go. Alex, you ready? ready? This is the most exciting part of the whole pod. I'm excited. I'm ready. All right. Okay. Favorite single experience at Cannes so far? Party. That's hard. Uh, <laughs> could be a, a piece of food, could be fruit salad, whatever. <laughs> Lay it on us. You know what? I We had orientation on Sunday where we had to do like a group scavenger hunt around the city. Oh. And no doubt the view from the top of the museum where we had a task to do was uh, sensational. So that is amazing. That. Uh, Go ahead, boat Sarah. ride to an island that apparently has well, got a restaurant on it that's apparently owned by monks. It's the cargo party. They do it every single year. It's like the place to be. Like for like an monks place run a restaurant? Apparently. I know, I, that seems strange to me, but apparently, yeah. They, they still make beer though too, do they not? Hey, some, I, I don't know, maybe. I'm familiar with Entrepreneurial monks. Oh, exists. I can verify. Okay. So yeah, went uh, went there for lunch. It was great. Good Lovely. job, monks. Well done. Well done. Good job, monks. Well done, monks. <laughs> well done, order of the <laughs> restaurant Religion monks. Religion is paying well. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Can I be sentimental? Sure. I, I think seeing old friends. Yes. Um, most interesting fact you've learned, real quick, stat, statistic, nugget, Amanda. That, the, that AI will contribute $16 trillion to the global economy by 2030, which is mind-blowing to me. That, that's a stat. I don't have it's any reaction stat. to it other than holy bananas, but okay. I, yeah. You're in. Who said that? Was it your... Pedicab. It was from Watson. Who, what, from, it was from Watson. Was Literally, from Watson, Watson himself. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Sarah. Um, so I heard at one of the Dan Beach House podcasting talks earlier on today that uh, there is a very funny TV show in the UK called People Just Do Nothing. And they are now opening their third season just as a podcast because the premise of the TV show is that they run a pirate radio station. Oh, so so the third season is actually going to be a podcast of, and you get to experience as a listener of their pirate radio station, which is obviously made up. So How I love cool this idea that? of the way that uh, storytelling is now navigating yeah. across different uh, mediums. And I think that's really exciting. So that was probably the most 
interesting and creative thing I heard today. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Alex, lay it on. You've probably heard a thousand facts. I have. My mind is a little blown. But okay. no, the literally as of an hour ago, meeting with uh, Deloitte Digital, one of their divisions. Yep. Um, they Can I were, hiss? <laughs> yeah, I know. No, but they had a I really... I should hiss as what, well. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I would, weren't we... What was this community? Did we open with the spirit of community as an industry? Wasn't that how this pod opened? I love opened? seeing old friends. Yeah, I love seeing old friends. <laughs> when would you get this insight into what Deloitte Digital... Like, this is the best thing about this. Went right, through, this is competitive know, information. This is competitive. Yeah, right. No, okay. but they had a couple I'm of... I'm listening, inter- <laughs> couple of interesting stats. We were talking about the power, how much more effective earned is when added to paid versus paid on its own and about the power of marketing to network rather than an individual. And there were a couple of stats that said um, if your friend owns a car, let's say a Mazda or Mazda, as my American friends say. Or GM. Or Ma- GM yeah. Mazda. You're, or a GM, of course. Of course, uh, a GM. <laughs> you are more, 1.5 more times more likely to buy a GM in that case, two times more likely for a TV brand. I just found it really fascinating, that power of influence over other people. Makes complete, like I used to work on General Motors myself back in Australia, bless them. And uh, we always used to talk about like the street value of seeing different cars on the road and that recognition prompts so much purchase. So good to have a hard stat with that too. So what you're saying is that fact will drive $16 trillion worth of a... No, I'm just kidding. Let's bring it all together. Well, since you're trying to stump us with this one, what's your favorite stat? Stat? Yeah. Um, So I had the pleasure of talking to Connell Doyle this morning, who's the president of iHeart Radio's podcast network. And this is a readily available stat and one I probably should have understood better. But he was the person who ran How Stuff Works and he sold that to, to iHeart. And they were doing something like 65, 68 million downloads on the on the How Stuff Works, you know, podcast network, not just that one pod. The scale of audio is absolutely massive. And I make this observation all the time. We did it at CES, Jason, you remember when we talked to, to some of the folks there. Audio to me is, there's, there's a whole untapped frontier there. So that would be my stat. So last two, are you ready? Sure. This one's really, really hard, Alex. Rosé or Aperol Spritz? Now, this is a controversial one. I know. Because I work on my beloved client, Diageo. Yes. So, neither. I'm going to start a new trend. Everyone should go out and buy a Kettle One Botanical <laughs> Spritz in stores now and available in Drizzly. So, there we go. That might be my favorite part of the whole day right there. <laughs> at, at our heart, we can be bought. <laughs> That's that's what a young lion has learned at yeah. Cannes oh, this year. I would never betray my client, please. There you go. <laughs> like, here we go. I love it. Cut her open, she bleeds vodka. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, my, she ain't the only yeah, one. Yes, at times. Yeah. Did you not run to her? Um, Aperol for me. Yes. Yeah. Both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. When you started your careers, when you got to this business, when you started working in this business specifically, what was the one thing that made you want to do it? I mean, I can start. I had no idea media existed, as I think 70% of people who end up in media <laughs> like thought. But I fell into it, and it has been the best fall I've ever had, and I'm very clumsy. So <laughs> I would say I just love the people that we made. We were discussing before, the friends, the connections are phenomenal, and just like how often does your job get to take you to the south of France to meet people and get inspired? Yeah. I also did not even know that media existed. I interviewed a lot, hoping I was going to become a magazine writer. And I was told that I would be unmanageable. So then fell into media where they were like, we like you to be unmanageable. So 
to find out it was a perfect we, fit. No, publishing's bad, but advertising, that's perfect for yeah, you. Yeah, perfect. Because we need one more cat in the in the circus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I say that it's amazing to be allowed to be creative every single day and be appreciated for that. And the fact that no two days are the same, like you could never be bored in this industry. There is yeah. always a new problem to solve. So I love the fact that I'm constantly challenged and that I'm never bored by what I'm doing. Mm. I went to IBM because that company has the power to change the world. And we are here where most brands are on our platform in some way or another. And I think that what I love about this industry in particular is that we have the ability to shape people's notions about things. And we have the responsibility to those people to to do that in ways that are transparent and ethical. And there are very few industries where you have the ability to use creativity to help people and to do good things. And that is what I love about being here and the conversations that we have and um, what we're discussing as a group of individuals who are coming together trying to do good shit and get some awards. And with that, we'll end. Good shit and get some awards. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to The Human Element. Thanks for listening. Please don't be afraid to listen to ThinkPod. Or The Human Element. Anywhere you can find your podcast. And certainly don't be afraid to subscribe or... Like. Either. 